Welcome to the Crosswalk Church Podcast, Phoenix, Arizona. Good morning, everyone. It's, it's great to see you all again. My name is Phil Bischoff, and I'm Director of Outreach, and it's my pleasure to share God's Word with you today. As you know, today's topic is H-E double hockey sticks. And uh, this is the second time, uh, kind of in my, my history at Crosswalk, that I've, I've preached on hell. And, you know, it, it seems like every time that there's a tough topic, uh, Jeff kind of takes a break and passes it off to someone. So I don't know what's up with that. But, uh, no, the, uh, the, the truth is that I think you'll find today's message um, as comforting as it is a warning. So let's, let's pray that, that God does do that for us. Now, before we dive into our text, I want to kind of recap where we've been in this series. This series has been called, Why Good God, Bad Stuff? And we've tackled a lot of tough questions. But before we, we get even to the questions, I, I want to reassure you that our purpose in this series isn't to defend or explain anything that God does. Because the truth is, God explains and defends himself perfectly fine in the Bible. Really, it's our privilege and it's our goal each Sunday to just tell what he has done, to proclaim the things about God. Because he convinces you himself by the power of the Holy Spirit. So some of the things we've talked about is we talked about the origin of evil. And how evil really is when things are not the way they are intended to be. And the greatest evil is when our relationship to God is not what it is intended to be. And then we talked about that word good and how God's definition of good and our definition of good don't match. We think good is something when, when we're happy and, and life's going well. God's definition of good is when something brings you closer to him. And I think you all can shake your heads when you said, is there something in your life that wasn't pleasant but brought you closer to God? That's definitely something good, and it changes our perspective on what good is. Then we got into natural disasters, and then the hailstorm came right after, which was a little weird. But um, we learned how, how God does send natural disasters into the world, but they're all for relational purposes. They're all for purposes to bring us closer to him. And, and they can be warning signs. They can be wake-up calls. They can be discipline. It can be for strength tests for believers. But again, it's all about God wanting to mend that broken relationship with us. Then we talked about why me? Why does God send bad stuff to happen to me? And, and we learned how it's not always about me, that sometimes God lets stuff happen to me because it actually is for a greater purpose. It's to help someone else. And sometimes God's hidden. And we're not going to be able to figure out why certain things happen. And are we willing to just leave it in God's hands and trust him? And the reason we can trust him is what we learned about last week. If, if you were here last week, you were here for an awesome message from a, a guest speaker, Pastor Dan Rautenberg. And he painted this image for us that we're standing before God in, in the courtroom of heaven. And remember, he talked about that long list that, that lays out on the floor, and it's got every one of your sins on it. It's like that Christmas list, but it's 
It's not gifts on this list. It's all the stuff that you've committed, all the sins that you've done. And yet, Jesus came into that courtroom, and he has his perfect clean list, and he taps you on the shoulder, and he says, you know what? I want to trade lists with you. And my list offers forgiveness of sins, salvation, and the power to live a new life. And it's completely clean, and here it's completely yours. And I'll take your list, and then I'll tell the judge, I'll tell God to forget about your sins and, and let him know that I'm going to pay for them. Right? That's where we were last week about how God did that for us by sending us Jesus. And so today we end on H-E double hockey sticks. And I think the question that a lot of people have is, if God is this loving God, how can a place like hell exist? Or why would a good God send people to hell? And I think it's a fair question, because after all, God wants us to be close to him, right? We've said that all through this series. So why create a place where people will forever be dismissed from his presence? You know, hell isn't something fun or nice to talk about, is it? But you know what else isn't fun or nice to talk about? What would happen if you touched a live electrical wire that was 70,000 volts, right? If you touch that, it's not really pleasant or, or fun to talk about, is it? But I guarantee if you saw one of your children or you saw your wife or a friend getting close to a wire like that, would you speak up? Would you say something to them? And, and you might even get really gruesome on what would happen if they touched that wire. And you'll point out all the warning signs, danger, high voltage, don't go there. Are you going to do that because you hate those people? Are you going to do that because you... You like seeing them suffer? No, you'll, you'll tell them and you'll warn them because you don't want to see any harm come to them. And that's why God is upfront and honest with us about hell. Because the truth is, he doesn't want to see any one of us go there. And he cares about our eternal good. So I think it's fair to, to get real about hell just as God does in the Bible. And so on, on your crosswalk notes, I have four truths about hell and heaven that I want you to fill out. And truth number one about hell is that hell is real. It's not a myth. It's not a legend. It's not a, a place where a little cartoon devil will appear. It's a real place where real people go that's really scary for a real long time. The Bible tells us about hell. It describes it as a place of, of fire. And it also tells us that it's a place that represents a, a, a place on earth in the Old Testament times called Gehenna. And Gehenna was pretty much this, um, this, this dump. It was a dump where people in the Old Testament times would, would throw all of their trash and their human waste and dead bodies and animal carcasses and, and whatnot. And then it would be set on fire and it would be smoldering and burning, just a big pile of burning trash. And, and that's the picture we get of hell. Not, not a very good picture, right? But the truth is that's not really the worst part. On, on the definition of, of hell I give in your crosswalk notes is that hell is separation from God and his blessings forever. 
And here's, here's kind of the first thing to remind yourself. The first thing to remind yourself is that when it comes to hell, when it comes to when, when we're talking about this place called hell, is that it's, it's not about torture, but rather it's about torment. And that hell is when God grants a person's request when they want a life without him. And he grants that request for eternity. He's really respecting people's decisions because there's a lot of people out there who want nothing to do with God. And hell, hell is a place where God grants their wish. Complete separation from God. And if God is good and if God is love, hell is a place where there is no good and there is no love. It's only evil all the time. And I think I, I didn't mention it, but again, on, on your definition of, of evil, we've had it every week of how when things are not the way they are intended to be, and the greatest evil is when our relationship to God is not what it is intended to be, that's a simple definition of why hell exists. Because God has intended for us to stay close to him. And, and we, as, as human beings, haven't stayed close to him. We've rebelled against him. And hell is a result of everyone wandering away from the path and the plan that God has for us. All right, so kind of some sobering thoughts, right? Well, I think whenever you talk about hell, you've got to talk about the other side. Because if we just talk about hell, we have no hope. Whenever you talk about hell, let's, let's talk about heaven. So let's get real about heaven. The truth about heaven is that heaven is real. It's not a myth. It's not a legend. It's not a place that was just invented to, to make people feel better about where others go when they die. It's a real place with real people. That's really nice where they go for a really long time. Have you ever caught yourself looking up at the sky and, and kind of wondering what heaven will be like? You know, uh, I have. And, um, you know, you look up and, you know, I wonder if heaven's going to have dinosaurs. I like dinosaurs. Or I wonder if heaven's going to have double chocolate overload fudge brownie ice cream with almonds and cherries because, you know, and it's packed with nutrients. I wonder, wonder if that's going to happen. Or my personal favorite, I wonder if I'm going to be able to dunk in heaven like Jordan, you know? 5'7 guy dunking on there. But the truth is God tells us what heaven is going to be like, and I want you to write this definition down, is that heaven is life with God in perfect enjoyment of his blessings forever. So really think about that. That heaven is, is a place where we get to see God in his ultimate glory and ultimate goodness. We get to see someone that's completely good and completely loving and be with him forever. And probably the most amazing part is that you and I, when we're in heaven, will be completely good and will be completely loving. So I want you to think about heaven as well today. Now, now we've gotten real about hell and heaven. I want you to, to look at the text for today. And if you've got your Bibles, I want you to open up to Matthew chapter 25. Because I want to talk real quick about two parables that come right before our text for today. And a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And Jesus tells us two parables before he gets into our text for today. 
And with the two parables, he's talking about the end times. He's talking about when he's going to return. And so I think there's three questions Jesus wants us to ask ourselves when we come to thinking about the end times or come thinking about when we die. So I want you to write these questions down. Number one, Jesus wants us to ask this question. Am I aware? So it's not in any fill-ins. Just want you to write that someone. Am I aware? Meaning, are you aware that heaven and hell even exist and that they're real places and that there is a thing called judgment day and that when you die, you will go to one of two places? Are you aware of that? Number two, are you ready? Meaning, are you going to know what you need to know? More importantly, do you know who you need to know? Meaning, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Are you ready? And then number three, am I working slash following? Am I working slash following? Meaning, if, if I'm a Christ follower... Am I living my life to reflect that? And am I preparing other people for this day as well? Am I aware? Am I ready? Am I working slash following? And now with that in mind, we get into this account of the sheep and the goats. And it's an account because this isn't a, a story. This is how Jesus says it will be. And we pick the verses for today that do focus on hell, but... We'll get to the ones that talk about heaven as well. But let's, let's look at our verses here from Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 33, and then 41 to 46. Follow along as I read. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Skipping to verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer... Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So I want you to imagine an area large enough to fit everyone that has ever lived. So imagine that, how big that place must be. Now I want you to imagine the, the most amazing sight your eyes have ever seen. You, you see Jesus coming down from heaven, sitting on his throne as a king, as a judge, and as what the Bible calls the good shepherd, because we're talking about sheep and goats here. And what Jesus will do is you'll see him wave his hand to the right and then wave his hand to the left, and all the people of the world that have ever lived will be grouped into one of those two groups. The sheep on his right. Those that know him, that believe in him. Those who trust in him, who know his voice. 
and the goats on the left. Those who have rejected him, those who don't trust him, don't believe in him. And everyone will be grouped into one of those two groups. And these verses are the accusations that Jesus has to the goats. Okay, and so I want you to flip your notes over. And verses 42 to 43, I'll read again. So Jesus will say this, For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. Remember last Sunday when Pastor Dan talked about that long list of our sins, right, that rolls onto the floor? Well, Sometimes we think that if, if we're guilty and worthy of hell, some pretty bad stuff better be on that list. I mean, I want to see murder or genocide or, or, or something like that on that list, right? Something really, really horrible. But what does Jesus list here? Things that they didn't do. I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. Thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. Stranger and you did not invite me in. It, it didn't seem like pretty serious stuff. But what are they doing in essence? They were saying no to Jesus and no again and no to Jesus. And by saying no to Jesus, it was reflected in their actions to other people. So again, the truth is, is that when it comes to hell, it's not a villainous God that is pointing and laughing and sending people to hell, is it? Look look at the next verse. Look what it says in Matthew 23, 37. Jesus is talking about his people, the children of Israel, and he's saying, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Do you see Jesus' care and compassion there? How he, he wants them to come near to him. Even after all the prophets that they killed and stoned, all the, all the times they turned away from him, he wanted to gather them as a hen gathers her chicks. That, that shows a lot of care. But what does it say? But you were not willing. God doesn't force us to believe in him. He wants a true relationship to us. He doesn't want us to be robots and flip, flip of his fingers and now we're believing in him. He wants a true relationship with us. So, so the truth is, is, number one, is that God is good. He doesn't force us to believe in him, but people choose hell. Those who say no to Jesus through unbelief choose hell. All right, I want to dive right into our next verses. I'm going to read verses 3 to 5 of 1 Thessalonians, okay? It says this, We had always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. Now, the reason I bring that up is is because it really ties along well with what Jesus says to the sheep. We just talked about what Jesus says to the goats, and now here's what he says to the sheep in this parable. 
Verses 34 to 40. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. You see the correlation here is that we're talking about both groups of people that, that trust in Jesus, that believe in Jesus. And, and look, look at their attitudes. The Thessalonians were growing in their faith and, and loving one another. And what does it say about the sheep? That they were reflecting their faith by the way that they loved and treated other people. It's a lot different than what we see the attitude of the goats is, right? Not giving food and drink to anyone, not caring for other people's needs, not looking after the sick. So here's a question. Do you want to live in a world like that? Do you want to forever live in a world where people only are concerned about themselves and not concerned about others? But the truth is that is reality, isn't it? We're living in a world that, that is selfish, a world that only cares about itself. I for sure don't want to be at this place forever. So did you ever think that the fact that hell exists actually proves that God is good? He doesn't want to see you, his children, be in a place like this forever. Let me ask you another question. Would you want to live on an earth where there were no prisons? Would you call that good? Every prison right now was just done away with. Would that be something you called good? I don't think we think about that sometimes. Now let's continue in these verses. Let's continue in 1 Thessalonians 6 to 9. Here's what it says. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to, to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. So it says right there in verse 6 that God is just. Do you trust that? Do you trust to leave it in God's hands when you don't understand questions, even questions about hell, that God is a loving, just God, and he will pay back trouble to those who cause trouble and give relief to those who are in trouble? Because again, who does it say that he'll punish? Does he say he'll punish the, the murderers or the thieves or the rapists? Not necessarily. It says he'll punish those who don't obey the gospel. And obeying the gospel is believing in Jesus. It's all on the same level playing field. Is God, again, wants people to believe in him, but they have that choice to say no. They have the choice to reject him. So the second point is God is good. God is just. 
Leave it in his hands who he pays back and who he gives relief to. Are you willing to do that for all these questions in this series? Why, good God, bad stuff? Because I guarantee that there will be questions that come up in your life that you will not understand. You won't know what God's reasons are for it. Are you willing to leave it in his hands and just say, you know what, I can't understand it. I'm not going to try to figure it out. I'm going to leave it in your hands, God, because you're loving and you're just, and I trust your decisions. I trust your judgment. Now we're to our third point. And it's been pretty sobering till now, right? We've been real about hell because God is real about hell. God is a holy and just God, and hell is a real place. But I want to tell you this. When it comes to hell, the most important thing that you need to know is God's attitude toward people, is God's feelings about people. And I've got three verses here that really show us what God's feeling about people is. Let's look at our next verse, and I want us to read it together. It comes from Ezekiel 34, 15 to 16, and, and we've been talking about sheep and goats. Well, here's Jesus as the good shepherd. This is what he says about his sheep. So let's read this together, Ezekiel 34. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. Doesn't that sound like someone who cares deeply about you? That even if you're weak or if you're wandering, he will go searching after you. He won't send someone else. He'll go himself. Doesn't that show how much God doesn't want anyone to go to hell, but that he wants us all to be his sheep? Know that and believe that. What does our second verse say? Because how far was God willing to go? This is what our second verse says from John 10. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And this is Jesus talking. How far was God willing to go to make sure that we didn't have to go to hell as far as one hand from the other? As far as one nail from the other? I'm sure you've heard that phrase that it wasn't nails that held Jesus to the cross, but it was love. And that God got right in the middle of our mess and he rescued us and he gave us that clean list that offers forgiveness of sins, salvation, and the power to live a new life. God went to the cross for you. That's how much he cares about you and that's how much he cares about every single person and let's look at our last verse here. Let's read this one together. This is a great one. 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 4. This is the one I want you to memorize for today. Let's read this. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And using the word men here, men and women, everyone. God wants everyone to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So know this, that on that day when Jesus separates the sheep and the goats, you better believe that when he sees the people on his left, when he sees the goats, his heart will ache for every single one of them. 
because he wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And the worst part will be because he knows how much he did for them and how much he loved them and how he wanted to have a relationship with them, but they are not willing. You've probably experienced that where you've wanted to have a relationship with someone and they didn't want to have a relationship with you. It's very painful. But you also better believe that when he looks at his sheep on the right, he knows every one of them by name. And he smiles and he says, welcome. Come and share in your master's happiness. Come and and receive the inheritance that has been yours since the beginning of time. And how that's your home. And that's where he wants you to be. Now, I, I've got one visual demonstration, and so I'd like my assistant, Vanna White, to come on out. So Vanna, would you, oh, lovely, thank you. Yeah, let's, let's get a round of applause for Vanna. It's very, very nice, lovely. All right, uh, Vanna. Yes, jo- no. Oh, very good. <laughs> With the voice and all. Okay, this is a visual demonstration, because I don't know about you, but when it comes to eternity, it's really tough for me to, to, to think about it and to visualize it. How long is eternity? And this has helped me out a little bit, okay? And it also helped me out in thinking and knowing how much God cares about me. So, uh, so Jonathan, make the rope tight. There you go. Okay, now, from Jonathan's fingertips, from his hand, to the green shirt, and they are clean, I washed them, uh, is about 100 years. That's a little bit more than uh, a human lifespan, right? That's how much it, it, it averages out to be, okay? Uh, so it represents about, about a human life. Now, from Jonathan's hand to the red shirt represents about 2,000 years, okay? The time from present day to roughly when, when Jesus was alive, okay? Roughly about 2,000 years ago. Now, look at the difference here between the, the shirt in Jonathan's hand the, the green shirt, and then all the way up to here. That's a long time, isn't it? One person's life to, to when Jesus was alive. Now think about this. If I take this shirt away, and this rope keeps going and going and going and going and, and, and doesn't ever end, 2,000 years is but a blink of an eye when it comes to eternity, isn't it? Think about that. 2,000 years but a blink of an eye. Doesn't that show how much God loves you? What I mean by that is this, is that you can stay there, thanks, or grab, give it to me. Is that, you know, I, my, my wife and I just got done watching our, our little nephew. We're going to watch him today, too. And uh, Don't you do that? Don't you spend time with the people that you love? That's a way that you show that, that you care about them. I mean, we, you know, we cleared our schedules, and we went over to his house, and he's... You know, he's a little kid, and so we got to take care of him and watch him all day. But, but we love him, and we love spending time with him. And that's how we show it, is that we spend time with him. I want you to know is that God didn't just save you to be in heaven with, with other people. He wants to spend the rest of his life with you. Who do we say that to? We, we say that to, to only special people, maybe husbands and wives. I'll be with you till death do us part. I'll be with you till forever. God is telling you he wants to be with you forever. And he's bought you the ticket. And that ticket is that sinless list that Pastor Dan talked about. 
And you have that ticket. Through faith in Jesus, you have that. Do you know someone that doesn't know about that ticket, that doesn't know the truth about hell and heaven, that doesn't know how much God cares about them? Tell them. Tell them this week. I'll give you the rope if, if you want it, and I'm sure, I'm sure Jonathan will come along with it too if, if you want the visual demonstration, but tell them this week. All right, let's take a look at our next steps. Number one, put your doubts and questions in God's hands and trust him. So you have doubts and questions, you're, you're thinking about things. Oh, I forgot to fill in the, the third one. Um, I'm sure you got it by now. God is good. Jesus wants us all to be his sheep, not goats. God gave his life so we could have heaven. I just didn't say the word sheep, so. All right, the second step is pray to God. Thank him for wanting all people to be saved. And then finally, meditate on and memorize 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4. Let's close with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, you tell us the truth about heaven and hell in, in your word, and, and you tell us that both are real places. Lord, let us just meditate on it and know that you want us all to end up in heaven and that you are a good God, and then that's why you sent Jesus. Let us know that you want to spend eternity with us, and that's, again, why you sent him. And also give us the courage to, to tell other people about him who, who don't know him, Lord. And out of all these questions of why good God, bad stuff, let us put our doubts and our questions in, in your hands, whether it's about the existence of hell or about evil or about why stuff's happening to me. Let us put it all in your hands and give us the, the strength to do that. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Crosswalk Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at crosswalkphoenix.com.